Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. And the off-season vacation starts a bit early for the Indianapolis Colts here in 2019. I'm Kevin Bowen, back another edition of Kevin's Corner. Joey Molinaro across the way, 34-7. to um, Just an utterly embarrassing performance last night from the Colts. Very fitting, honestly, uh, given what the, 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 the play that we've seen from this team over the past two months, having said that. I was surprised, Joey. I, I was surprised to see a Frank Reich football team look like they wanted to book that flight to the Caribbean. They wanted to go play golf with Eric Ebron in Houston. Like I, I, I expect better from a Frank Reich, Chris Ballard team that preaches character, preaches all of that, and then you fail in every single facet of the game. In primetime, Monday night football, all this talk about people. Colts should play more in primetime. It's a good thing they don't play more in primetime if they're going to put up those sorts, sorts of performances. And I think that's that's just truly, truly disappointing in a must-win football game to see a total no-show. Yeah, I mean, you can't say any more than that. I feel like a real idiot trying to, I know on Sunday when you came on the Jersey Johnny show, I was like, isn't this kind of a Kansas City feel, you know, prime time <laughs> And on I the didn't road. disagree with you. No, you didn't. <laughs> and, man, it couldn't have been anything farther from that. Yeah, and, you know, the big point I was trying to drive home was like, all right, if you can get Matt going, you know, and, and, and limit possessions and play keep away and you didn't get Matt going and, and Jacoby, you know. Worst he's looked all year? Oh, yeah, yeah. I threw some balls you see at a Saturday 10 o'clock JV football game. It was just it, – it was shocking to see that from him. You know, I, I've been extreme – you know, very, I think, honest in my assessment on Jacoby Brissett. Some people probably think I'm too critical, but I, I just kind of call it how I've seen it throughout this 2019 season with him. But I, I haven't seen it that bad. Early in games. You know, that, that's his 30th start, and – We'll get into Jacoby a little bit later and, and things like that. But, I mean, it was really every facet early on in that game. And, and here you are, missing the playoffs for the fourth time in the last five years. You know, Joey, it's been five seasons since you've won the AFC South. I mean, that's that's a long time for this franchise. And I think when you looked at this season coming into it, I had eight and eight. I was torn between seven and nine, eight, eight and eight. I thought Andrew Luck was worth three wins. I thought with luck they were about an 11-5 football team. I was wrong, man. I, I think luck might have been worth four or five wins. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's just it, – it's it's crazy, the the disparity um, in quarterback play and I guess the crowd out there that's all in on tank, they got to be pleased. Yeah. I, although it wasn't as uh, entertaining as probably they would have liked, but still, a loss is a loss. And right now the Colts sit with the 14th overall pick. And free-falling quickly. Free-falling, good news. Uh, the Panthers and Jags are two teams that will catch your your free-fall. Uh, Panthers haven't won since, I think it's like early November, maybe mm-hmm. late October. Jags have only beat the Raiders. They, they've combined to lose 11 of 12, those two football teams. So, man, I just, 
What is your selling point for Sunday at Lucas Oil Stadium for the Panthers oh game? Uh, Santa, I don't know. Christmas we'll, tickets. Yeah, like, we'll have right. Santa at every exit. I, I have, I have no idea. Yeah, I don't know what you. Yeah, nothing says you know come to our game like Will Greer starting for the Panthers and just coming off of a thirty-four to seven shellacking. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I expected better out of Frank Reich and Chris Ballard. And, you know, you hear T.Y. Hilton gives an impassioned speech before the game. He's coming back, like all the – and you just got freaking manhandled and whooped by a team that you look what happened to San Francisco after their shootout with New Orleans. They lay a clunker at home against Atlanta. Like, if you could have done something early in that game, you know, that's where New Orleans is, I think, a little bit of like they're unsure of just everything they exerted the week prior – against San Francisco, and they're beat up. They were more beat up than you were in the in the trenches, and you got absolutely owned, owned in that facet of the game. Um, I, I, I think without a doubt, right, the worst performance of the Reich era? Yeah, I mean, for sure. Yeah, I, I would say definitely. And, you know, the Ballard era has 2017 and that stain, so – you know, nothing's as bad as the Rams game or maybe getting shut out against Jacksonville. But um, in prime time, in a must-win game, again, to be a no-show, to look like a team that's very eager to start their vacation before January 1 hits, that's really disappointing. And it's not something I expect from the Colts. I expect it from a lot of teams around the NFL. I expect it from, you know, Freddie Kitchens Browns. I expect it from a Carolina team that doesn't have a head coach. You know, I expect it from Jacksonville or, you know, Oakland, or you know, some of these other dysfunctional sorts of teams. I don't think dysfunction with the Colts, yet their execution could not have been more, more dysfunctional in every single facet of the game. Somehow you only narrowed it down to three things that you didn't like from last night, so I, I applaud you for that because we could be here for two or three I was hours say, yeah, probably. We, we, we'd be snowed in until next week. Right, so we'll start things you didn't like in the first series of the game, third down, wide open. I think it was Zach Paschal. Jacoby throws it over his head. The inaccuracy of Jacoby Brissett last night was bad. Go back and watch that play, Joey. Brissett misses Paschal, and obviously it's on the Colts' sideline. And in unison, you see Brian Hoyer, Nick Sirianni, Darius Leonard, all three of them at the same time, hands straight to the head. Just like perfect, two palms, boom, each side of their helmet or their hat. Like, how the hell did that happen? Needed that, yeah. How the hell did he miss that? Like, that, that is high school open. Zach Pascal didn't have a guy within five yards of him on a, no. on a third down. And you miss that throw. Um, you know, definitely the worst we've seen Brissett accuracy-wise. You know, I know Stan Cal, our good buddy, tweeted at us last week. The accuracy issues have started to develop a little bit more for Jacoby. And um, they were at an all-time worst last night. And I found myself watching that game, Joey, a few times coming back to a question that I asked Frank Reich on Saturday. So the Colts practice on Saturday this past week with the Monday night game. And, you know, at this point of the season, I kind of have one eye looking ahead towards the offseason. So several of my questions are more centered on offseason content that I'm thinking about. Of course, asking players and coaches that in season can be a bit difficult. So you're kind of walking a fine line. But basically what I asked Frank was this. Frank gushed about the accuracy of Drew Brees 
earlier in the week. And I said to Frank, you know, how have you seen the necessary traits to be an elite quarterback evolve in your time in the NFL? Has it changed at all from, you know, you as a player to you as a coach, you know, assistant coach a decade ago now to being a, a head coach? And he drove home this point. And here's the quote from Reich. I have always categorized one of the traits as being elite accuracy. If you want to be an elite quarterback, you have to have elite accuracy. That's Frank Reich on Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. 48 hours later, I'm not sure if I've seen an NFL game where two quarterbacks have been at two further ends of the spectrum in the accuracy department. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the only reason Jacoby was over fifty percent is because Frank threw a bunch of screens in that in that third quarter. I mean, like literally. I mean, it was it was painful to watch some of those throws. I mean, you saw a very visibly frustrated T.Y. Hilton. I thought several times, um, and, and this is something that we hadn't seen from Brissett early in games. We haven't seen this alarming of accuracy. Sometimes just kind of misreads with, with him. You know, locking on a, on a different pass catcher and not maybe finding that open guy. No, there were times where he found the open guy. The ball just didn't even get close to that open guy. And it was a variety of routes. Pascal's outside the numbers. Hilton on a crosser. Jordan Wilkins on a check down that Manute Bull wouldn't have caught. Like, I mean, that ball had no chance to be caught. And when you're in that environment, you're in that atmosphere, if you don't show up early in games – you can get run out of the building. Yep. And you should have gone to Bourbon Street at halftime. I mean, that that that's just that's exactly what what this team should have done. And you know, I found myself because, dude, when the team you like or you cover plays on Monday night, is there a longer week? No. Oh my God, it takes forever to get to Monday night. And so I'm sitting there all day yesterday. I'm like, you know what? This is a pretty big game for Jacoby Brissett. Like, this is Monday Night Football. This is a fairly good defense. Um, it's a must-win game. This is a pivotal moment that if you want to leave a lasting impression on the decision-makers in your franchise, this would be a good time to do it. Or the opposite of what we saw happen. Sink yeah, or swim. Right. I mean, literally, because, you know, Carolina and Jacksonville, I, I don't put much stock into either of those two. And for him to play like that, man... What I mean, what were some of those throws? I, I just Booger McFarland saying absolutely he's the franchise quarterback for the Colts. Booger, I like Booger, nice guy. I've talked to him before, dude. He's terrible. He's regressed. He's regressed like QB one for the Colts. Yeah, you know. I mean, it's um, at one point last night he said the Colts are the Colts don't want to beat themselves, and that's what they're going to try to do tonight. What? Like, like, say it again, Booger. Called Kari Willis carry a few yes. times. Yes, he did. Uh, I mean, they were resorting to showing his food selections and how much he loves the whatever that Dude, was, I, the ooey gooey. I was and, about uh, to flip the game off, and I was laying in bed with RC, and I literally, while that was happening, the food segment, I was like, even my wife knew. She's like, this is bad. <laughs> if, if it's the fourth quarter of a game and they're spending this long talking about food, you know it's bad. Like, this is where we're at. It was either that or one more shot of the Breeze family mm-hmm. in the suite. Um, hey, Mrs. Breeze. Pretty lady. Yeah. Drew, uh, Drew's, you know one of Drew's kids is Bowen. 
Oh, really? Bowling Breeze. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, they stuck with the Bs there. I know that. Yeah. Baden. Yeah, yeah, I remember. he. One of them had the big you know, earmuffs yeah. on at the Super Bowl 10 years ago. Um, dude, that was terrible. It, it was terrible. You know, I found myself tweeting this in the first half, Joey, and I was hesitant to, to tweet it because I'm a big guy that, like, questioning NFL players and their toughness and their effort that's like come on people like why are you doing that like that is a very very tough sort of hurdle to get yourself to clear but I tweet in the first half I go it looks like Jacoby Brissett's trying to tank I mean it was one of those performances and I'm just not used to that again early in games the scripted parts of the games he's been been his best yeah that's where he's been at his best this was not the fourth quarter and your your pass catchers created separation. So we're going to talk about other facets of the game that deserve blame. And I know some people were chirping at me on Twitter last night. How could you blame Frank Reich? Let me be clear. The blame is on Jacoby Brissett for this law. I mean, that inaccuracy set the entire tone for the rest of the game. You miss Pascal. Boom, here comes the time to punt. And all hell breaks loose when the Colts have to go to special teams in a bad way. So... I'm a big believer, and I think listeners of this podcast know this, I'm a big believer in flow flow of a game, especially when you're an underdog. If you can do some things early on, you can change everything. And when you miss Pascal, and then you come back, and the other throws, whether it was Hilton or, you know, it seemed like he had a better chance of throwing to Demario Davis than he did virtually any other Colts player, to be honest with you. Um, that's, you, you can't have that. You cannot have that. And I've never been a guy that's going to react too much on one game, one way or the other, but I have been steadfast in my point all season long, and I stand by it. The Colts have got to go find an upgrade at the quarterback position. We're going to get a lot of questions about that. I've already taken a peek at what's oh coming boy. on Twitter questions. Oh so that's that's going to be a big one. We'll talk more about that. But another thing that you didn't like, I mean, did, Drew, he, did he only com- incomplete one pass? I mean, the Ooh. defense just got – Completely torched. Un pass, and that one pass, Joey, behind the line of scrimmage. A dump to Latavius Murray. Drew Brees was perfect on balls over the line of scrimmage. I mean, like what? Yeah. Is this Alabama versus Charleston Southern? Well, a lot of quarterbacks can't even do that when they're literally going against air. No, like, yeah, pro day numbers are like, uh, he had four incompletions. No, right. no, no. Drew Brees had one in an NFL football game. 60-minute football game. 29 of 30. That sets an NFL record. That is single-game completion percentage record. You know how many NFL games that, that there's been? Well, this is the 100th year. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but there is a many. lot. Um, Joey... This defense, I've said it before in this podcast, I've been skeptical of the scheme for a while, and I was very hesitant when I heard this talk over the last month. Hey, this defense is elite. This defense is starting to play really well. And I'm like, okay, yes, there's been a couple positive moments, but can we pump the brakes before crowning them? And what have we seen the past four weeks? The big plays by Houston. Mm Mm-hmm. Tennessee achieving balance that teams dream of with Derrick Henry going for 150 and Tannehill completing 80% of his passes. Yeah. 
Drew Brees probably saw that Ryan Tannehill film and, and just couldn't sleep all week thinking about facing the Colts. <laughs> Jameis does his thing, career day, and then boom, Drew Brees has a historic night unlike anything we've ever seen in NFL history. At the most critical point of the season, when your defense has gotten a bit healthier, like, okay, Kenny Moore, if Kenny Moore plays, Drew Brees has 88% completion percentage. Sure. Your defense has failed. And when I was on the fan morning show yesterday, I why I felt like the Colts had a chance, which is LOL, I thought that their interior defensive line could take advantage of the Saints beat up in in the interior. I thought this was a big game for Danico Autry. Show up. Sure. Drew Brees gets the ball out the second fastest of anybody in the NFL. You've got to blur those passing lanes because you know Brees is such a rhythm quarterback. And I, I go back to the scheme, Joey. When you allow, and it's every week, insert quarterback name here, has completed 15 of his last 16 passes yeah. against the Colts. The old graphic that has the check marks right. and the X's, yeah. it's all green, green, exactly. green, green. Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, here we go again. It doesn't matter who the quarterback is. Mm-hmm. does not matter. So when you let a quarterback get into a rhythm, what does that do for that quarterback's confidence? Skyrocket. Up, up, up. Mm-hmm. And now when you got to fit a ball into a tighter, tighter window, boom, you're going to fit that ball in there. So I, I just – that comes back to the scheme of when you don't disrupt timing and routes, and that is twofold. That is back end and front end of your defense, and you allow quarterbacks to get into a rhythm, you're going to get shredded. You are going to get shredded, and you're certainly going to get shredded by one of the game's best. And Drew Brees is a stud. Um God, he's a good quarterback, man. And Michael Thomas is really good at football. It's so wild how, and I mean, Booger told us time and time again, one, his Twitter handle, but two. Can't how, guard Mike. Yeah, he's not a 4-3 guy. He's not Tyreek Hill <laughs> that we're dealing with. And we we know, but it, it is odd how he is just so dominant. I yeah. mean, you know where it's going, and he still can't stop it. You know, I was talking to Joel Erickson this week from the Indianapolis Star. He used to cover the Saints, and I was like, Tell me more about Michael Thomas. Like, what what am I missing here? You know, he's 6'3", 200. I mean, that's a good frame, but it's not, like, crazy size. Calvin Johnson or I even think Julio Jones plays bigger than than his frame indicates. And like you said, Joey, it's not 4'3", 40 speed. And Erickson's just like, that dude is one of the most competitive human beings I have ever seen, and he wants to, like, kill people. And I found this stat about Michael Thomas last night, okay? He was targeted, um, what do you have? Do you have 11 catches, 12? I felt like he had 15. 12. 12 catches, 12 targets, 128 yards. The ex- And this is from Next Gen Stats. The expected catch percentage on those 12 targets for Michael Thomas was 64.5%. That would have been a decent day. 64.5% on a 12-target day. That's not horrible. No. Um, he caught them all. That is an increase in catch percentage of 35.5%. That is the most in an NFL game over the last three seasons. Can't guard him. And it didn't matter. I mean, the free release in zone was just LOL. Rock Yassine continues to be so handsy, and the breakdown in technique leads to him grabbing, and you can't grab against Michael Thomas because they're going to see that. I know the Saints have. I feel like the Saints refs ref you suck chant has become their new who dat who dat. Yeah. 
It's not a Saints game if the Superdome is not chaining refs. You suck. Um, and I don't want to hear any of this. The defense was gassed. Go back and watch the opening drive of the game. Go back and watch the first drive of the third quarter. Your defense shouldn't be gassed at either of those points of the game. And what happened? Both of those drives. Drew Brees is perfect. He doesn't have an incompletion. Like, I mean, it was I, just, I just I just, can't. I can't go there. The zone recognition, Joey, the holes are massive. And, and just the lack of anticipation recognition. Like, that's got, if you're going to play zone, you've got to read and react better than just about anybody. And Malik Hooker has not had a very good past few weeks at all. Those are games for him. Yeah. You know, like. Hell, you talked about that back in May when you're looking at the schedule, you know, as these quarterbacks and potential for him to have a big year. Huge. This is why you drafted Hooker. This is why you have him in, in your defense. I, Pierre Desir, I don't know if he's banged up, but just. Well, obviously, that's what I was going to ask KB is the, you know, the zone demand debate. Is it because of a lack of personnel, a refusal to try to play man? I mean, what, what is it? Where does it fall? I think it's the latter. I think it's just, it, it, it's more so a refusal to play man. We saw it against the Chiefs, but again, remember that game. No Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins gets hurt on the first drive of the game. Mm-hmm. So the Chiefs are rolling out there, you know. A bunch of Nicole nobodies. And, yeah. yeah, and and so the Colts felt like, okay, we can survive. And I just don't think Matt Eberflus feels comfortable with this personnel to play man. And I think I think they uh, popped up the graphic last night. The Colts have played the highest percentage of cover two of any team in the NFL this year. And then they pop up the next graphic. Drew Brees, that's the highest completion percentage against <laughs> cover two of any team. It's like, holy shit. Do things differently, and as much as this defense has evolved a little bit, it's got to evolve even more moving forward. And I know Breeze is in a rare category, but I just pointed out the last three weeks, Winston, Tannehill, Watson, they all have had big moments against this defense. So I don't want to hear anybody um, patting the defense on the back today. Were they put in some awkward and unfortunate situations? Yes. Did I mention Jacoby Brissett deserves the large chunk of the blame? Of course. But this defense, 29 of 30. That is not routes versus air. That is not a walkthrough. That is an NFL football game with full pads in 60 minutes. The Saints were the varsity. I don't even know if the Colts were the JV. Couldn't have said it better myself. You got criticized a little bit on Twitter, or people were chirping at you, like you said, about chirping, going after, you know, saying some things about Frank Reich, and how disappointing it was. Some blame falls on this coaching staff, and I mean, in all three facets last night, it was that way. Yeah, let's let's set the scene, Joey. Okay, it's halftime. Colts are down twenty to nothing. I tweet. Let me just pull up the old tweet. Um. Okay, I tweet this. Expected more from Frank Reich and the Colts tonight. I think at times we forget Frank Reich is the head coach of this football team. Sure. Like, he that is his title. He's not just the play caller. He is the head football coach of the Indianapolis Colts. Right. Expected more from Frank Reich and the Colts tonight. That first half performance was embarrassing. Looked like a team ready for offseason vacation to start on December 30th. That is my tweet. Mm-hmm. 
my boy Brian, and Brian and I exchange a few DMs. Brian has been a loyal follower um, of this podcast. Um, I, I, I respect all opinions, and honestly, I could have picked out probably 10 tweets. Uh, Brian just happened to be the one that I saw first, so I decided to quote tweet it. Brian, uh, and again, I appreciate Brian's listenership, and, and he and I had a nice professional conversation, but Brian says this, you lose credibility when you criticize Reich after that first half. Colts just got shut out, down 20 to nothing in a game they have to win. How does the head coach not receive criticism? Did I say all of the criticism? No. I said criticism after that first half. My exact wording, expected more from Frank Reich and the Colts tonight. Holy shit, it's a must-win football game. The Colts are down 20 to nothing. I thought Frank Reich did a hell of a job. His team looks prepared. It's like, imagine if... That was Chuck Pagano. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wow. You know, it does seem like there are just a few, like, untouchables around town to where You're right. they, they don't want to have any blame on them, you know? You're right, but I'm sorry. And I have expressed my opinion about Frank Reich before. I think he is a good football coach, really good football coach. And I think him and Chris Ballard, uh, I have belief in them being able to get this turned around. It is a va- vitally important offseason for them. But I am a Frank Wright guy. But for how can you watch that first half? And the head coach, that means you're in charge of every unit. You oversee the whole operation. And your football team is down 20 to nothing at halftime in a game that they have to win. I'm sorry. The head coach deserves a little criticism. And, yes, Matt Eberflus is largely in charge of the defense. Bubba Ventrone is largely in charge of in, in charge of special teams. But Frank Reich has delegated those responsibilities to those guys. So you are responsibility. You have responsibility for what their units do because you've said, you guys do your thing and I'll live with it. It's the same thing of saying Jacoby, Jacoby Brissett's a top 20 quarterback. Mm-hmm. If you're going to say it, he sure as hell better be a top 20 quarterback. Sure. You know, it, 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 it's those sorts of things that if you can't criticize the coaching staff for that effort, then we all, instead of the Bills Mafia greeting Buffalo Bills, you know, sorry about the loss, all good. Um, at the airport after their win on Sunday night, we all should have been at Indianapolis International with goodie bags, uh, participation trophies. We all should have been there last night at about 2 a.m. Pats on the back, um, uh, scrapers to ice their car, you know, scrape their car, something. It's the NFL. How can you not criticize the coaching staff after that sort of performance? And I go back to what I said. It's every facet. And let's start with offense. Again, Brissett, like, Frank Reich schemed up some open wideouts. <laughs> and, and that quarterback just flat out missed. But it is deeper than that. It goes to your run game. Where, yes, New Orleans knows that you can't really throw it. So they're going to load more in the box. And Frank Reich has said so many times this year, even if they load the box, we still have to find ways to run the football and Marlon Mack has 19 yards on 11 carries. He was getting hit as soon as he got the ball. Free rushers. And I felt like, Joey, the run game was too slow developing for my liking. Mm-hmm. Um, like It seemed like almost like misdirection-y type stuff and just, look, the Saints just lost two defensive linemen. You have an O-line that's healthy. Hit them in the mouth, run it right at them, just wham them. 
and I just felt like Chauncey Gardner Johnson was in the backfield. I felt like all game long. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the pre snap issues. How about Glowinski false start on a fourth and one out of a timeout? Killer. I mean that that right there is just another example of like, damn, this is how it's been tonight. But again, how do you not blame some of that on coach? Like, if the Colts were up thirty-four to seven and won that game thirty-four-seven, Joey, we'd be having a parade for Frank Reich right now. Oh yeah, this is a coaching problem that deserves blame. Like, how can you not look at that game and not offer some blame there? Um, and then and and then the block kicks. I mean. What's the stat when you have a kick blocked against you, you lose 95% of the – I mean, whatever that stat is. Mm-hmm. Colts have had four games this year. Four. They've only played 14. They've had four games where there's been a block kick. Can't have it. What's happened in all four of those games? Lost. Your Steelers, the Titans at home, Drew, Tran- Drew Tranquil – and the pump block on Kari Willis in the opener in L.A. and last night. It is every single – like, block kicks, man, that's that's high school stuff. And it's not even like the Saints brought much of a rush, you know? It's just, oh, boy, you know, here's Jordan Wilkins getting beat, and boom, there's a 65-yard flip and field position after the penalty, and – it's all of it. it. It was a team that looked that that lacked preparation. And I go back to what I said earlier. I don't expect this out of a Frank Reich football team. When I hear you've drafted high character players, what often comes with that is your ability to handle adversity and your ability not to succumb to the oh boy, we only have a two percent chance of making the playoffs. We might as well throw in the ta-. like no no no. When you have the high character guys. You're supposed to play 60 minutes week in and week out mm-hmm. and show some life. And we haven't seen that this season yet in the game's mo- in the season's most important game. It showed up. Bursette deserves a large, large chunk of the blame. But to sit here and say, man, Frank Reich did all right last night. He's the head coach. Let's not lose sight of that. Play calling is a big part of him but he's also the head football coach. And just because when you watch him on a sideline, he probably isn't as managerial as Mike Tomlin or Belichick or somebody like that. It's more of a Sean Payton, honestly. But it is the entire football team you oversee. 53 guys on your roster, 46 at dress, and three units, and you failed in every unit. And I don't know how you you can't assess some blame on the coaching staff. Let's move on to things... That you liked from Monday night. Want to do some Twitter questions? All right, Twitter time. Yep. All right. Let's get into them. Yep. Okay, let's start with Michael. He says, holy blank. Booger McFarlane just said on national TV that he asked Reich if Brissett was a franchise quarterback, and he said, absolutely, he's our guy. I honestly don't think they'll do anything. Oh, booger. Um, We had a few of these questions, Joey, and I know that that scared a lot of people when they heard that comment. A couple things. Frank Reich loves Jacoby Brissett. Really, really, really likes him. Secondly, um, I don't think he's going to say – maybe he shouldn't go to that extent, but what else is he really going to say in season? Right. Like you you are – and honestly, I don't think you're going to – 
find the Colts off the record or on the record saying anything after the season that negatively about Jacoby Brissett. Sure, I, I'd be, I'd be somewhat surprised if if you're going to get a Chris Ballard, Frank Wright quote of saying we need to upgrade at quarterback. Like Jacoby Brissett is going to be on the roster next year. I, that that's my guess, and um, so I, if this team was afraid to say that Adam Vinatieri was having issues. You're going to be worried about the fragileness of Jacoby Brissett. Right. You know, so um, I think once the emotions of a season die down and Frank Reich, who is – Frank Reich cares less about what the injury report each week looks like maybe than any other NFL head coach. Like, literally, it doesn't care. He's just like, give me the 46 and we'll try to win a football game. I think once the emotion dies down and he realizes, okay, I've got to critically evaluate and I've got to look at these 2020 quarterbacks and what you have to look at, they have to have quarterback meetings for five days long. They need to watch film on every free agent quarterback, trade prospect quarterback, draft prospect quarterback, all of it. You've got to exhaust everything. It's the most important position and it needs to be treated like that with the amount of prep and detail you watch into these guys when you make a decision. And I think when Reich starts to look into that, that's when the emotional ties to Jacoby Brissett, I think they start to wane a little bit. And that's when you realize, all right, wait, you're telling me I can get a guy that can complete that pass? Ooh. You know, I think that's when you start to read into it. What he said to Booger last night, I'm not stunned by it at all. Craig wants to know, was Jacoby drunk last night (laughs) or playing with a hangover? Never seen him play so poorly. Oh, boy. Um, dude, I don't know. Was there something in was Bourbon Street get a little? Maybe they had some voodoo dolls working. That's big. God, New Orleans got a lot of stuff just around their franchise. Yeah. You know? That place was loud. Man. It felt like 2011 all over again. That was, what, 66 to 7? 62. 62 to 7? 62. I was talking to somebody from that 2011 game, and they were saying how Pat Anger came running off the field at one point. They were like, and he was like, holy shit, they're going to score 100 on us tonight. Oh, man. Which is such a Pat Anger quote. And literally, it, I mean, last night if they wanted to score 50 or 60, they could have. Yeah. Like, I felt like they were protecting the Breeze record, you know? For sure. I mean, I'm sure Peyton knew that, and boy. Yeah. Colts, uh, hey, at least they covered the fan duel. Crazy line. Scotty wants to know where should the biggest finger be pointed at this season? Um, you know, I, I still point to the biggest reason why the Colts will miss the playoffs, or at least just the most direct correctable issue at how you handled kicker and how you handle place kicker. So having said that, I guess you would point it at Chris Ballard. I think that is where you would put the the direct blame or the most blame, if you will. I think if your kicking issues were better in the first three months of the season, um, you would have been in a better position to make the playoffs, and you wouldn't have needed you know, to go down to New Orleans and win a game that you had no business trying to win. Paul asks, is Malik Hooker really anything special? I can't tell if his play has gotten worse or if it's because of this year's downfall and two rookies playing in the back end. I'm just seeing so many open throws underneath between him and the backers that are just wide open. Yeah, it's a great question. Was that Paul who asked that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question, Paul. Um, he hasn't played well over the past. Really, you know, when I talked about the four-game stretch, Joey, 
of these teams that you've played. Um, the big plays against Houston. Did Hooker Hooker play in that game? I'm pretty sure he played in that game. Yeah, he did. Um, obviously the big plays last week to uh, to Tampa Bay, and then what you had on on Monday night. You expect, you know, more out of your 15th overall. I mean, 15th overall pick is a high, high pick to be drafting a safety. And we're now three years into it, and we've never even talked about Malik Hooker as as a pro bowler. I mean, not even close. I mean, not at all. Pro bowl team gets announced tonight. Uh, I mean, like, seriously. I mean, H- Hooker hasn't even, even been thrown around as a pro bowler. Um, I, I still think the Colts will pick up his fifth-year option on him this summer. So that means he'll be... Next year is his fourth year. You would pick up a fifth-year option for 2021 just because <laughs> there's not this ready-made backup on your roster. You have so many other needs. Evaluate Hooker for a, another season or two, and then you will make the decision on the long-term contract. But right now, I mean, he's no slam dunk to earn the sort of contract that you thought was possible You know, when, when he was drafted. And yeah, I don't think it's a health-related issue, Joey. I mean, he hasn't been on the injury report, I think, in, in in a good while. Maybe he's been on there once or twice, but man, just the 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 lack of communication in the zone looks is very alarming because again, the holes in the zone are huge. Not to mention it's the recognition out of the zone looks that is really poor. And when we've seen Eberflus try to evolve a little bit and throw a hooker into man coverage. That hasn't worked either. Drew Rush wants to know, is anyone's seat getting hot after last night's curb stomping? Well, Bubba Ventrone's seat's probably even hotter. He'll be the scapegoat, right? You got to have one. Yeah. You know, you miss the playoffs for the fourth time in five years. You lose six of seven. You got to have some scapegoat. So, yeah, but I don't think, I mean, Sirianni and Eberflus aren't going anywhere. Maybe a position, I mean, I think we had a question about the O-line, so we'll get into that a little bit later on that position, Coach. But, um... Outside above of Ventrone, Joey, I would be surprised if the Colts made a significant move to their coaching staff this offseason. Dalton James, do you see any frustration from the team towards Brissett or Reich? T.Y. was getting visibly upset that Jacoby was missing him all night. Yeah, you know, something that I noticed as well. Um, I, I don't see a whole lot of frustration towards either of those guys, though. Um, certainly not Reich. Brissett, you know, that, that that locker room really, really loves him. I know people have heard that a thousand times. And they're probably sick and tired of it. Um, but it's probably his greatest strength, that and being tough in the pocket and, and eluding pressure. Um, but I don't see, outside of Hilton a couple times last night, and I, I, honestly, I'm sure Hilton, it was more so of like, wait, I came back and played for this? Like, I mean, Hilton's first catch, Joey, came at the start of the fourth quarter. And so much for that. If he plays, he'll be 100%. The dude played 26 snaps. I think it was 50. I think it was exactly 50. 50% of the snaps. Basically the same script we saw in Houston. Yeah. I mean, really. And Frank Reich was adamant. I asked him that on Saturday. 29 of 56 for TY. So 52%. Um, I I asked Frank Reich on Saturday when it was still kind of unknown if he'd play. Uh, you know, Will there be a pitch count? No. He will only play if he's 100%. Which means if he if he's hundred percent, that means he's going to have his normal role. Well, he was on the f- third. He was on the field for like three of the first four third downs. 
So, yeah, I, I don't think you're seeing visible frustration. But, you know, if you're T.Y. Hilton, man, it's just I'd have honest moments with myself. You know, I'd be looking in the mirror and thinking, wow, my career's changed a lot in the last, certainly the last three, four months. But even individually, you know, with my own health and now the quarterback play and now I'm reaching my 30s and, you know, who knows what that third contract is going to look like with this football team. Smooth Smith asks, what do you use and try to bribe Andrew Luck out of retirement? But seriously, is it more likely the quarterback is addressed in free agency early in the draft, first two rounds, or later in the draft, third round to hire? Smooth, all great questions. Um, First off, on Luck, Joey, you don't bribe him at all. You don't. What you do is, and I think I've mentioned this before, you give him a call. How was Christmas? It was a good, I don't know, maybe Andrew Luck doesn't celebrate Christmas, who knows. Um, hey, man, are, you know, are you, are you taking the baby to the Netherlands yet? What, where you at? How are things going? How's Nicole? Everything good? And you pause, similar to like we paused earlier in the show about things that we liked from the game on Monday night, and uh, you hope he says something. And if he doesn't, you say, hey, man, anytime you need to work out at our facility in the offseason, you know where to find us. Hope all is well. Hope you're enjoying the $25 million that we gave you. Hmm. And, uh, yeah, cheers. Y- you can't bribe him. He's got to want to come back. You can't convince him. Cannot convince him. You make the call just so you know that the ear is open, but that's it. As far as where you go quarterback route, you know, I addressed earlier, you've got to look at every avenue. Every single avenue must be explored. If I'm picking, I'm going early draft, first two rounds. If I'm at the Colts complex and Friday night is coming gone for the draft and the Colts have not taken a quarterback, that to me would be a very, very big issue. Matt Valls wants to know, is there a realistic chance we see Chad Kelly start a game this year? Oh, boy. I knew it was coming. This is the question. Will Greer versus Chad Kelly on Sunday. Will Greer looks like a partier. We know Chad Kelly is a partier. That'd be a fun little game to watch. People in there, I just, yeah, yeah. Joey, um, 24 hours ago, a week ago, two weeks ago, when we got this question, I think I've tried to lay it out in two separate points of view. One is the Colts' point of view. And I still think, and I'll ask Frank Reich this on uh, on today's conference call. I'll ask Frank Reich, you know, are you going to play younger players down the stretch? And he'll, he'll laugh. Um, he probably won't laugh. He'll probably go. I understand the question, Kevin, but no. Um, I always felt like the Colts would stick with Jacoby throughout the entire season. I think internally they know that there's talent there with Chad Kelly, but I think there's still some questions on like, wait, is Chad Kelly, could he really be a franchise quarterback? Like, Or is this just kind of, hey – Let's hold on to him, see if he ever gets his act together and whatnot. Having said that, I understand the question. I get why people want to evaluate him in a setting that is not week four of the preseason or, you know, third quarter of the preseason. Like, I totally understand that. And if you are a franchise that is fully looking ahead to next season— you probably would throw him out there. Because in my opinion, we're now 30 starts into the Jacoby Brissett era. I've seen enough. The Colts probably will will, will not agree with that, but I have seen enough. So um, 
I, I would be okay with them turning to Chad Kelly, as, as absurd as that sounds, for the final two weeks. And I say that because I just think you know what you have in, in Jacoby. Now, having said that about Chad Kelly, I don't know what he would show you in the final two weeks that all of a sudden make you think that quarterback is still not a serious need this offseason. Yep. It's Carolina and Jacksonville. Let's not fret over anything he would do. Now, if he goes out there and throws to 300 and two or three touchdowns, that's intriguing. And now you got to evaluate that a little bit more of saying, all right, does he deserve a chance next year to compete with Jacoby maybe to be the starter while you let this rookie quarterback, you know, redshirt? Um, you don't buy into the Chad Kelly hype, do you? I mean, when you say it like that, I guess these last two games, what could it hurt? But, I mean, I just like I said, I think last week or earlier in the week or whenever it was, I mean, people get so infatuated with these kind of guys. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. there's a reason why they are where they are. Yeah, And, you know, obviously a reason why no one picked him up earlier in the year when they could have. Um, you know, he was a backup for Denver last year. So there is certainly NFL talent for Chad Kelly. But there's a lot that goes into being a franchise quarterback, and I just don't think he checks all those boxes. Zach asks, well, he says, I'm a huge Frank Wright guy, first off, but when you go on national TV and allow that to happen, do you have to take some serious blame for not being prepared? Without a doubt. Without a doubt, Zach. Coaching staff gets a lot of credit when things go well. I think we hand out a lot of credit. When, when things go well and schematic stuff is executed well, and players respond to that coaching. It, hey, being a head coach, is, it's bleeping tough. Like, you've got to get 46 vastly different personalities to respond to you on a week-in, week-out basis. I'd like to think a must-win game on Monday Night Football, you wouldn't have to motivate too, too much, and you would have your football team ready, but they weren't. They were not ready to play, and that's why... He got some of the blame from me early on this podcast. Our guy Stan Cal chimes in. He says, it feels like like every game this year, the Colts burn a timeout early in the half because the clock is winding down. Usually happens in the first or third quarter. Am I crazy? And if not, do we think that it's a Jacoby issue or a Frank Reich issue? No, I, I don't think you are crazy, Stan. I think I've seen that as well. Frank took full blame for the timeout last night. Um, I believe he said he gave like, he gave Jacoby the wrong play or something like that. So, again, that's why you partially blame coaching. Like, in that environment, giving your quarterback the wrong play probably is not a good thing. Um, I Joey, I, I thought there were a few more pre-snap issues. Kind of like, oh, my gosh, uh, play locks at three, two, one, snap. The false start on Glowinski on fourth and one. Um, and then certainly taking a timeout. You know, that that is stuff that, it's just poor, poor execution. And then the lack of execution out of timeouts. That's something we saw last week. You know, going back and watching that Tampa Bay game, Colts took two timeouts in that game when they had the ball. The two plays after those timeouts, one was Brissett then trying to take another timeout mm-hmm. on fourth and one near the goal line to end the first half. And if Brissett doesn't Houdini his way and evade a rusher, the Colts get zero there after taking a timeout. The second timeout they take was on the drive where Chase McLaughlin missed the field goal. You take a timeout before a third and 15 on a huge drive early in the fourth quarter. You come back from the timeout, Paris Campbell gains un yard on a screen pass. 
Chase McLaughlin's kicking from 47, boom, hits the upright. The rest is history. Like, I know we don't, like, grade maybe NFL coaching staffs too much on, like, NBA coaches out of timeouts. What do they look like? You know, what plays do they draw up? But when you're the play caller and it's an offensive timeout, you've got to be better. And the Colts haven't been lately. Matt T says, who's it more overpaid, Desir or Brissett? Desir has been non-existent this year, and Brissett is being paid 40 mil to play like a mediocre backup quarterback. Ooh, man. So not only a backup, but a mediocre. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's be fair. He's not a mediocre backup. He's a better. He, he's a good backup. Yeah. Right? Um, Desir, man, I don't know if he's banged up or what, but that's been a – it goes back to, I think, a point we, we talked about a few weeks ago. How big of a need is corner? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that seems like a big need. Desir makes what? Eight or nine million, maybe 10. Brissett makes 15 million. I guess Brissett, although I had better expectations for Pierre Desir, just more reliable, had a great season. Um, Yeah, you wonder how much that hamstring injury has played into it. From Sam, when giving out blame for the loss, who gets what percent? I.e. Reich, 70%, Ebers lose yeah. 25%. Um, Bursette, 60-ish. Reich, 30. Boy, that's a lot. Bursette, 50. Reich, 30. Eberflus 20. The only reason I have Reich above Eberflus is because he's above him on the coaching ladder. You know, yeah. So, like, Reich still gets some of the defensive blame as well. I like this one from Ben. Probably Bubba Ventrone, 10. Yeah. Give me 110% of a pie. I like this one from Ben Orr. He asks, when we went out now to go to a meaningless 8-8, eight and eight, what will Ursay's first thoughts be after the season? Team didn't quit, heading in the right direction. Brissett is our guy. Got to credit the coaching staff. The gif in my head is of Luck running off the field, pumping his fist after 8-8 eight and eight against Jacksonville. Torn labrum and all. He's pumping. 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 Looks like he's on uh what's the uh what's the real world now, the MTV show? Jersey Shore. Jersey Shore. Yeah. Pumping the fist. That's terrible television, honestly. Um Ursay's gotta be pissed. Ursay's sixty years old. His franchise missed the playoffs four out of the last five years. Is he not pissed? You would think. Um I don't think Ursay will go there. Ursay's usually pretty candid. I think he'll be pretty honest and and pretty disappointed with five and two turned into this. Um, I don't think you will get the spoon fed PR spin that you'll get from maybe other people in the organization. So, um, I mean, Jim Ursay knows the clock is ticking. You know, and you hate to say that about his own life. I don't know if I necessarily mean it like that, but I think you just mean it like in the NFL, it's really hard to win. And seasons are precious. You know, I was on with Dan Dockage last Friday, and I mentioned this to Dan. The Colts have had injuries this year, but they've also had their offensive line start 14 games together. No NFL teams had that happen this year. Who's to say you're going to have that next year? Costanzo tears his knee in the first week. Like, so you just can't take these seasons for granted, especially when you're in a division that has no clear cut, consistent New England year in and year out. Like, the AFC South is just kind of the AFC South. If you 
win 10 games, you got a chance to make the playoffs. Um, so I don't think we're going to get that Ursay spoon-fed PR bullshit. From Kevin, they made a change at O-line coach, and the unit has regressed big time. Has anyone asked Frank about that specifically? I have. Kevin, I have. When did I ask that? Probably probably a month ago I asked that. Um, paraphrasing here, Reich said he's really pleased with what Chris Strausser has done. Likes the um, – you know, likes the technique that those guys are playing with, things like that. But the results are are the results. And while Brissett was only sacked once last night, again, it, it comes down to that run blocking, man. Just it, and it hasn't all been on the offensive line, like, but there's free rushers. Like, it's not like breakdowns of those five guys on the O line. Yes, some of it is that definitely, but. It's Chauncey Gardner-Johnson coming in your backfield and having two tackles for loss in the first, seem, seemingly, seem like the first quarter mm. of that game. Like, a safety shouldn't be able to do that that easily. Um, tight ends have struggled. Running backs have been woeful in pass protection, it seems like, as of late. So, that's that's the entire operation. Um, you know, Reich doesn't want to go there. Gouge was a Ballard hire. You know, the Ballard hires were... Um, they were Eberflus, I say Ballard slash McDaniels, Eberflus, Mike Fair, and Goosh. Bubba Ventrone was a Reich hire. I know some people might think that was a Josh McDaniels hire. I'm almost positive that was a Reich hire. That hire did not happen until after Reich was hired. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a question that I asked Reich a few weeks ago, and he seemed pleased with it. From Colin, which player has most disappointed your realistic preseason expectations this season? Obviously, you can choose anyone, but figure the popular answers may be Brissett, Ebron, Hines, Autry, Desir, Hooker, maybe somebody on the O-line. I like that. Um, off the top of my head, Autry, Hooker. I'd like to throw someone on the O-line on there. Maybe Glowinski. You, know, you got to... Think about the guys that got contract extensions, Joey. Glowinski, yeah. Desir, Luke Rhodes. You know, mm. I mean, Rigo hasn't had, and I know that's not all, all on him. Obviously, Kenny Moore's played really good ball for you. Not having Kenny Moore hurts. Um, who else? Brissett. I mean, I never thought he was a top 20 quarterback. So. Yeah, you've been really steadfast on that, even when you know things were good. Yeah, I, I, I've never just kind of thought that, so I don't know in my eyes if he's made that big of a drop. Um, you know, somebody in the receiver department. You know, it, Campbell? Yeah, I was, I, I was thinking that one. Certainly Vinatieri. Yeah. Um, you know, Hilton, it's just, he's hurt. His quarterback isn't helping him. The drops in Houston weren't weren't good, and you probably just hold such a crazy bar. But honestly, it's Autry, it's Hooker, it's Vinatieri, maybe a little bit of Campbell. And that that's probably it. This is LP asks, why are Colts fans continuously blaming this season on injuries and losing Andrew Luck? Isn't it more accurate to blame Brissett, special teams, coach, GM decisions, and the defense being sketchy? You're going to lay a lot of blame, Joey. I'm going to post an article to 1075thefan.com tomorrow morning. I think I have I think I have seven or eight, maybe more than that. Maybe it's ten. Basically, the reasons the Colts didn't make the playoffs. 
And all those reasons are going to be on there. I mean, hell, I'll throw on how they handled Brian Hoyer in that Miami week. Yeah, that was that was weird. You know, practice gets over on Friday. Frank Wright goes back to watch it, and he's like, yeah, Jacoby took all those 90-some percent of the first-team reps. Let's go with Brian Hoyer. <laughs> like, what? Um, Kamoko Terry injury I think is big. We don't talk about that enough. Um, but he specifically wants to mention that we shouldn't use injuries as an excuse, I think, was part of the question. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's right. Well, Not just you, injuries and losing luck. Your Steelers have overcome injuries sure. and are in position to make the playoffs. Uh, the Houston Texans have overcome losing J.J. I mean, J.J. Watt going on IR, that that's the equivalent of, like, I would say a, even a better T.Y. Hilton going on IR. at the mid, That was, like, the midway point of the season, right, mm-hmm. when, when that happened? Um, <laughs> how about the Saints losing Brees for five games, and boom, they go 5-0 and without him. Chiefs, Tyree Kill misses four games, three and one without him. Like the question coming into the season was could the Colts, without an elite level quarterback, make the playoffs? They felt like they could. They cannot make the there's not a playoff caliber roster given the quarterback situation. And when you started to have a few injuries, has the depth improved on this roster one to fifty three? Unquestionably. This depth is much, much better. Is it at a playoff level? It is not at a playoff level. And when some injuries arose this year, you got exposed. And other teams have been able to overcome it. And you haven't. From Robert Lester, why does our local media think it's blasphemy for fans to want to see Chad Kelly get a start? We treat Jacoby like he's accomplished something. Nice guy, but my eye test says we need to pursue other options. Just a a plea to some some followers of the podcast and, and some listeners out there. Will you please not group me into local media? Like, I, I try to be pretty clear on this podcast with my opinions. Mm-hmm. If you read my work on 107.5thefan.com, see my tweets. Yep. Like, yep, yep. L- let's just make sure that, like, we can differ from everyone else in the media. Everyone has their own own opinion. Some opinions we all agree on. Some opinions we don't agree on at all. I can hear fans out on wanting Chad Kelly. Like, th- think about this, Joey. You're officially eliminated from the playoffs. Mm-hmm. If you start Chad Kelly or Jacoby Brissett, does that change your ticket revenue for Sunday's game? Uh, Probably not. I don't know. Maybe some old Miss fans drive up. Uh, no, I mean I think at least that'd be something more interesting. <laughs> right. At this point, honestly, you know maybe I mean? it'll yeah, maybe it'll bring a few more fans into the stands. But in all honesty, you've probably made up your mind if you're gonna two days before Christmas if you're gonna go to the Colts game or not. If this was a college football team and you were eliminated from bowl consideration, you'd go to the freshman quarterback right away yeah. as long as you didn't burn his red shirt. So I, I hear fans out there because in the grand scheme of things, who the bleep cares about 8-8 eight and eight or 6-10? and ten? Now, the Colts will sit here and say, we need to evaluate Jacoby Brissett more. We're not going to do that. Um, but I could hear fans out in wanting Chad Kelly – to be under center. I can I mean we see that I mean didn't Mahomes start one game for Kansas City in his rookie season? The last game of the season. Yep. We've seen that, you know, from teams that either have things clinched or are out of the playoff picture to where they go put a young quarterback into the game. So, I don't think it's blasphemy at all. I just want 
to make it clear, and what I try to provide in this podcast is what I think the Colts will do and also what I think my opinion is. From Chad, says, Jacoby set the tone early and often with dry-stalling and accurate balls. Is his knee even remotely healthy? I don't recall him being this wild pre-injury. Do you? No, I, I don't. Certainly nothing like last night. He hasn't been on the injury report since. Um, you know, Frank Reich and, and Chris or um, and Jacoby Brissett pretty much shunned that idea that he was hurt. You know, I remember Frank Reich when the injury first happened. Frank Reich almost he almost kind of blew it off of like guys play through this injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I think Brady did it last year. Rogers has done it. It's a sprained MCL. You just do it. Um, I'm pretty sure at halftime last night, Jacoby Brissett was your leading rusher. Yeah, because every time Marlon Mack touched the ball, he was getting slammed by Gardner Johnson in the backfield. Um, so, I I don't know. I mean, I, I probably need to go back and like watch it a little bit closer, but I don't think I'm going to be making this knee injury as, as an excuse. I just... I think water has found its level, and I think I think the burden of being a, a starting quarterback, knowing all the pressure that's on his shoulders for the long term, that's a lot. Because I think Jacoby Brissett has come to the point now in his career where five months ago, Joey, it was like, oh yeah, Jacoby's going to go somewhere else next offseason and compete for a starting job. Now it's kind of like you either somehow figure it out here well, you're probably going to be a backup the rest of your career. It's hard for me to sit here and see another franchise being like, oh, yeah, Brissett, let's give him Nick Foles money and come here and be the star. No, like you're going to have to earn it. Earn it big time. Then how about this name here? Money Bags with a Z. <laughs> money Bags with a Z. Will Quincy Wilson Sounds like be a cut? Clemson booster. <laughs> uh, will Quincy Wilson be cut or traded after getting his ankles broken by a 40-year-old quarterback? I didn't know Drew Brees had that in him. That was... I tweeted him, man. He looked like Lamar Jackson. That, that mean, was... Woo! Shook him. He shook him, man. Um, have you noticed Quincy Wilson's Instagram, Joey? Probably. I Hopefully not. No, I, I don't really. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's good for you. Um, I rely on you for that, KB. Yeah, well, you do rely on me for that. And good thing, I have looked at it. He has... um. Brushed it, maybe brushed it isn't the right term. He's taken off all the Colts pictures, uh, all of them. Great look. I mean, you look at his Instagram; it is literally him walking into a stadium. An occasional highlight of Florida, him working out over the summer. I mean, you can't find a single. I mean, we're talking the closest thing to Colts is him walking into Lucas Oil Stadium. So he's all out. Forty-seven posts for. 6IX954. Yeah, I mean, he's got it, right? A terrible he, Instagram name. Figure <laughs> it out, dude. Do you, uh, do you trade? I, I don't. Can you get a seventh round pick for him in the draft? I doubt it, man. I mean, hard to see Quincy Wilson on this roster week one, 2020. Really, really hard. From Nate Binter, what's up with the defense? Need more pieces? Just young? Seems like they've taken a huge step back. Definitely need more pieces because you, you have to have pieces to play in this scheme. This scheme is not going to offer you a whole lot of help. You know, it's not some great, we're going to dictate things to the offense. No, no, no. You have got to have elite personnel, Sapp, Brooks, Lynch, Barber, you know, like those sorts of guys uh, to be able to play this scheme. 
So, yeah, pieces are going to be there, which I think is scary to some fans because then it's like, wait, I thought we need all these pieces on offense. But you need pieces up front. Probably need another corner. Another playmaker next to Darius Leonard. And, I mean, even Leonard last night, you know, it's just like, that's a game you want him to show up. Breeze throwing kind of mostly underneath stuff. And I don't – can you think of one time the Colts were close, close to a game-changing play on defense? Probably the Houston, the first Houston game. No, no, no. I mean last night. Oh, last night. Yeah. Oh no. Um, no. You hit Breeze twice. Yeah. Twice. So yeah. Um, you need you need some personnel and you need to evolve. You need to continue to evolve. I love this one, KB from Matt. Let's just dive right in. This is this is kicking off the offseason perfectly. <laughs> How plausible is a move to get Joe Burrow? Seems like the oh perfect fit in Coach Frank's system. Is this the big move Ballard has been waiting for? Well, congrats to you, Coach O, for having one of your players earn the Heisman. Coach O got a little emotional. Go Tigers. I love it. It's been a while since Joey's dropped that on, <laughs> on the pod. If you haven't already, certainly you need to be following <laughs> Joey. Instagram, TikTok, I believe he's started yeah, to go yeah, over there as well. For sure. It is a must. Um, boy. Joe Burrow, Joey. He's got to go one, right, to Cincy? I don't see how he couldn't, unless Cincy's, you know, pulls like the 06 Houston and gets the pass rusher, you know, goes uh, yeah. Mario Williams Mario and Chase Williams. Young. God, I was, I, I'd forgotten about Mario Williams. Um, Joe Burrow, a Bengals at Lucas Oil next year. It's a nice ni- nice home game. Cool. Uh, I'll enjoy watching Mr. Burrow if uh, indeed that happens. Um, I looked it up the other day. The, the the trade package it took, the Rams to go up and get Goff, the Eagles to go up and get Wentz, that would be kind of a similar spot for the Colts. You know, you're 14 or 15, you go up and get Burrow. I like Joe Burrow a lot. Co- you have to find the quarterback. You, I will say that, you know, 35 times between in about – more like 350 times between now and April 25th or whenever the draft is. Having said that, I don't want to mortgage the draft capital that much. That's a lot. You go 15 to 1, that's next year's first. That's probably a couple seconds, probably a third. Now it's like, okay, you've drafted the quarterback and you don't draft again until like the fourth round. If they finish 7 and 9, where would that put them? So right now they're at 14th overall. I would assume seven and nine would probably put them right there, right, right around the mid-teens. But you know, it sounds like if it's not Burrow, the second quarterback might be in that range, depending on the medicals for Tua, and then where Herbert and Love and 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 Fromm or Eason or whoever hurts. You know, hurts probably more of a second rounder. So I just uh, I can't go all the way up the one. And I mean, can you imagine what Cincinnati would want? Yeah. Huh. I mean, they need a quarterback more than anybody. Sure. Uh, from Hillary, place yourself in the locker room at halftime or right after the game. What do you think was said? Well, Frank Reich said it was not fire and brimstone, and it's never going to be with Frank Reich. Uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton had an impassioned speech at halftime. I-, I would like to think some veteran spoke up at halftime. You know, you're down 20 to nothing in the most important game of your season. I, I would like to think someone spoke up. Um, unfortunately, 
that vocal leader. I'm not sure. I don't think it's very crystal clear who that is. You know, you go in the Saints locker room, it's probably going to be Breeze every time. Uh, you know, maybe Cameron Jordan, somebody like that. So, um, yeah, for Frank Reich was pretty adamant after the game. He didn't – it was not that sort of fire and brimstone. And and you know what, Joey, that's well, probably a question we'll always have about Frank Reich, especially when things don't go well. Does he need to change up some of the temperament? Or is staying even keel what makes him successful? You know, that, that'll always be a debate with him. Last one I have here from Brian. I personally don't believe we will draft a quarterback because Ballard and Reich, but what are your thoughts? Do you think it will happen? <laughs> Not draft one? There's seven rounds. I'll have to draft, yeah, at least one somewhere, right? The Colts are – the Colts have gone the longest of any team in the NFL without drafting a quarterback. Hmm. Luck was the last one. Or Harnish, I should say. Chandler Harnish was the seventh round pick that year. Wow. Um, you haven't drafted one since. Seattle, I think, drafted one last year. And that was the other team that had gone that long. So, uh, Joey, yes, they will draft a quarterback, right? <laughs> I don't even want to think about that. I feel like they have to. They have to, and they got to do it early. That That is what we can debate. They will draft a quarterback. Well, it's time. It's That's where we are, KB, unless you have any more. But it's crazy to think about uh, how July seems like yesterday. We were there for the Andrew Luck press conference of when he walked out of the woods to give an update on the – I mean, I'll never forget. We were on the sideline when, when uh, you know, Luck wasn't out there, and we were like, oh, here we go. And er, then That I'll was go. an early morning practice. Early morning practice. I think I uttered, are you effing kidding me? Yep. Why and is he not out here? Then all that happened from there, and then now all of a sudden here before Christmas Day, we're already looking to the offseason. Dude, it's rare to see the Colts play multiple regular season games with nothing at stake. You you have a pretty good memory with this. 2015-2016, I'm pretty sure things were still at stake week 16 and 17 for the Colts. Yeah. One of the years they needed like 37 things to go right in week 17, and at one point in the first half, all of them were going right. I was like, oh, my God, is this going to happen? <laughs> um, I mean, what? You know, 2017, obviously 2011, but, like, it, it's rare to see this team be in this sort of position. It sucks. It sucks. I, it, for those that have listened this late in the podcast, thank you, honestly, because I know a lot of fans um, are pretty apathetic right now. It is such an intriguing offseason. We will have content consistent content on the website, maintain the podcast. This will be our only podcast this week. It's a short week. No one wants to preview the Carolina Panthers. This has been a long podcast. We filled in a lot of Twitter questions uh, on it, so we wanted to make sure that we got a nice meaty one for you. We'll come back Monday. Joey and I will be in here December 23rd morning. We'll have a podcast recapping Carolina, um, and then – We'll probably get into a much more of a kind of a one one week thing, one podcast a week um, throughout the off season. So, man, it's it's just so abrupt. It's so, it's so abrupt, and it's not abrupt in a way. It's it's abrupt because the NFL season's so short. There's only 16 games, mm-hmm. but then like the slow, methodical losing six of seven. It's just kind of like, okay, you go from competing for a bye to okay, you need some help to win the AFC South. Oh, you need a lot of help to win the AFC South. Oh, you need a lot of help to get in the wild card. Oh, my God, you need to be praying the rosary 10 times a night to even think about the playoffs. And then 
Pittsburgh loses last night, and I felt like there was this chunk of the fan base. I tweeted out a playoff chances article yesterday. It got tons of clicks. Like, playoff odds went from 2% to 4%. A win last night would have gone to 20%. That's Now here we are. Offseason. Everyone wants to talk it. Joe, you got anything else? No, man. We'll be back on Monday. He's Joe Monero. I'm Kevin Bowen. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, everyone have a great week, and we'll be back Monday, the 23rd, talking Colts and Panthers. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.